An industry under pressure. Innovation in its finest hour. This is the Oil & Gas Technology Podcast, where sharp minds reveal the brilliance and sheer determination turning great ideas into new realities. Hear about how it happens in real life with your host, Michael O'Sullivan. The views of the host are expressly his own and should not be construed as the views of any other corporation, consortium, governing body, or interplanetary federation. All right, let's see here. Oh, yeah, okay, there it is. Here we go, wait a second. Ah, yeah, there, here here we go. Okay, get ready. In a world where people strive to conquer the digital landscape, the best leaders are moving forward and planting flags. This is the Oil & Gas Digital Doers Podcast, where you can hear about the thrill of digital victory and the industry's best guidance on how to win with your host, Michael O'Sullivan. All right, there we go. Let's see. We'll stop that. All right. See what I did there, folks? Now, I don't want anybody to be confused. You are listening to the Oil & Gas Tech Podcast, as you heard just prior to that that, uh, confusing mixed message. But here's, here's the thing. If you listen to the Oil & Gas Tech Podcast then you should also listen to the Oil & Gas Digital Doers podcast. They're kind of like, you know, two peas in a pod. Um, one, here on the tech show, uh, we, we really, we try to look really at the, the innovation itself and try to understand, you know, what is it? How is it impacting the industry? But on Digital Doers, uh, which is a podcast about getting digital done, that's where we really look at, okay, how is the industry, you know, oil and gas has been... Um, taking, uh, we started taking digital transformation seriously. It's been about four years now, somewhere around 2017. Uh, we can, we can argue about that, but it's, but it's been long enough that we should be seeing some progress. And in spite of what you might read in a certain, uh, uh, commentators, um, we are making progress. And in fact, we have a whole podcast uh, just to highlight that progress. So I just wanted to take this this moment for those of you who are loyal listeners of, of Oil & Gas Tech. And, you know, even even if you're not a loyal listener, either either way, I, we, I'd still love to have you. Now don't, now, don't change the channel right now because we're about to have a great one uh, right here. And you don't want to miss out on that. But when you're done listening to this, you know, if you got time later on, I don't know, put a little, uh, put one of those little uh, rubber bands or, you know, a little twisty on your finger to remind you to uh, listen to the Oil & Gas Digital Doers podcast, which you can find on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any of the other places where you listen to all your favorite OGGN podcasts. And if you, didn't, if you don't have, um, you know, if, if, if you don't have a bunch of favorite OGGN podcasts, maybe it's because you don't know that we have a bunch of OGGN podcasts, in which case you got to go to OGGN.com and you can learn about all the different shows that we have. And we're adding more all the time. We got, we got more in the works and, um, and it's a great way to, uh, you know, to learn about what's going on in the industry. Um, and, and, uh, you know, I don't know. You, why do you why do you listen to podcasts? Because you want to know stuff. Well, this is where you come to know stuff. Uh, nobody does it better for this uh, for this industry than OGGN. We're also you know, and we, and it is the oil and gas global network. But we are definitely we got a whole show now dedicated to um, the energy transition, and that one is uh, hosted by Joe Batir, who who uh, his you know he's reasonably credible, folks. He is a uh, geothermal geologist, so. 
he knows something about energy transition. We've got another one that's dedicated to to how new tech companies are, are scaling up, uh, you know, getting beyond the startup stage and into the scale up stage. We got one that focuses on on how do you get how do you take your career into into the executive level. Uh, there's a wide variety of podcasts, and so but you can learn about them on the website oggn.com, and then of course you know you can link out to whatever your favorite platform is to listen to them. All right. Well, let's get back to the program at hand. Today, uh, the episode today is, um, is a little bit of extra fun for me because uh, my guest is, um, okay, well, he, so he's a new friend that I just made over at this little outfit called uh, Dell Technologies. And not only is he, uh, is, is he an expert in what he does and he's, got, and he's been in the oil and gas industry for a long time, he's got some great insights and we're gonna talk about all that, but he is also an avid listener of this podcast. Yes, so I think, I, at least, I think this is the first time that I've ever had, uh, gotten to have somebody on the show who is also a big fan and listens all the time. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the other side of the OGGN microphone, Daniel Gomez. that does bring us to our guest today. We are sitting here in the fabulous Canyon on the west side of Houston where the sun is always shining and the birds are always singing and the people are always happy. And every time I say that, the person sitting opposite me smiles. So now, <laughs> so now we're all happy. So I am here, uh, as you probably just heard me say before that exciting musical interlude, I'm sitting here with Daniel Gomez from uh, Del, what's the name of the company now? Is it Dell, Dell Technologies? Technologies because yeah. it was Dell EMC for a long time, and yeah. and so now it's Dell Technologies. So anyway, welcome to the uh, thanks for and we're here on a Friday morning, so I appreciate you giving up some of your Friday morning. Of course, thanks for having me. Yeah, and uh, I also I have to throw this in here that um, so Daniel's actually like you actually listen to this podcast. Yes, I do, which gives you an advantage over a lot of other guests. Who show, so so you should be good. So there, so we yeah. have high expectations because uh-huh. you know how it goes. A lot of other people, you know, we, we cut them some slack because they have no idea. All right. So um, uh, anyway, let's start with um, uh, a little, as usual, a little bit about you. I know that you've been, so you're a, what did you call it? You're a legacy. Legacy yeah, so EMC. You started with EMC. Yeah. And, and in fact, really, you started with Isilon. Yeah, I was hired uh, 11 years ago by Isilon uh, to be the systems engineer covering Latin America. Yeah. Uh, then after that, EMC acquired Isilon. Right. And then in 2016, Dell acquired EMC. Dell acquired EMC. And that's so that's how I am a Dell you employee be, you today. Became, you became Dell. So that's all altogether something like yep. 11 years, right? Um, so as and you mentioned Latin America and you don't sound like you're from here exactly, right? So yes, I'm from Brazil. Brazil. Yeah, um, I was born in Brazil. Born in Brazil, and so you have a good, um, um, you have a good story. So I want you to tell this story. We were chit chatting before, but this story about like your first, your first IT job, right? Oh yeah. So, yeah. So I came fin- out of university, right? Yeah, I finished college in 1999, and my first job was actually to be the IT guy of a dealership in my city. So, interesting job. I had to take care of this local so car, system. car dealership. Yeah, car dealership here. for Real, General yeah. Motors. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I had to take care of this system, so I had to be there 
before everybody because I had to open the system. Yeah, yeah. Before everybody to so have access to. So this is like to. so this is ninety nine, right? So ninety nine. Yeah. Pretty. This is pretty basic. Right? Yeah. It was yeah. all all in one, like on one computer. Yeah, single to, server, yeah. Linux server, yeah. database. Right. Yeah. What was it? Was it Linux back then, or was it yeah, still it was Unix? Linux. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So Linux. Yeah. I lose track of when when it, when when Linux came into into the picture versus Unix, right? Yeah. Before that, because Unix didn't run no, on it. On one of that. my one of my jobs in that dealership was to help them to migrate from Novel to Linux. Oh yeah, I forgot. Yeah. Right. Right. So they had this huge problem, you know. Uh, you know the mechanics. The they were all network. walking around kicking the cables, the coaxial yeah. cables, <laughs> and then the, net, the whole network goes down. Right. So I, I, you know, part of my job when I started was to upgrade the network and and move the system from uh, the old platform to a new platform. Yeah, That's yeah. what I did. So I, this is significant, I think, because if um, if people look, let's say they go and look at your LinkedIn profile now, right, they might mistakenly confuse you for a sales guy but you actually i have a huge you, technical yeah, background you, you yeah. started like in, like yeah. the real deal right like exactly. so you were so you were supporting and you were telling me what is it you only worked in the beginning at the, in the morning and in the evening right yeah exactly the so the the, you know after things were more settled and stable i would say then the only the only real job that i had was to open the system and close the system on a daily basis and uh so the peak time for me was 7 a.m. and, and 7 p.m. So yeah. I had to stay there the whole day. So you're just sitting there the yeah. whole day, right? You know, yeah. waiting for somebody to ask me to help to fix something or yeah. just do my duty, which was basically open and, and, and close the system and, and do the backups and administrate everything. Until one day you had an idea. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, some, some friends from college, uh, they, were, uh, they started to work in the capital of the state, Sao Paulo. Mm -hmm. Right. So one of them... Uh, called me and said, hey, we have a, a position here and uh, you want to come? I said, yeah. So I, I, I jumped into a bus, went to Sao Paulo, mm. made an interview and decided to, to move uh, to the capital. Yeah. And that was back in September 1999, I believe. Yeah, and I started to work for a channel, uh, uh, Channel organization for some microsystems. Oh yeah, yeah. Which was a, yeah. You know, a big, big Sun was, yeah, yeah. 90, 90, yeah. I was, I was running a uh, so right around that time, ninety nine, ninety eight, ninety nine, two thousand. I was running um, this team of 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 people inside of a pretty pretty large company. Um, it was like this secret team that was building this thing called a website. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and and we had to do um and and you know IT departments didn't really know about internet like internet working and internet technology like that like it was all so the IT group really didn't handle it right it was it was um we had to create this like special team we got like 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 these like these guys, like these academic guys and stuff, right? Who knew, who knew how to set up DNS server? Because we had to do the whole thing, right? Mm -hmm. We had to, we had to do the infrastructure. You know, we had to, like, we had, like, we had two Sprint T1 lines coming into the to the build into the office building, right? And that was we had to set up the DNS, we had to set up the the firewall, all the right. Anyway, all that is to say, the original, the, the first, and this was for a large, 
uh, financial mutual fund company. So it was real stuff. Like we had real like Pearl. We had to get guys that knew Pearl and everything and, and reaching into back end databases and showing net asset values. Mm-hmm. Anyway, all of this launched on five sun pizza boxes. Mm-hmm. That was the, that was the infrastructure. Yeah. Like one of them was the firewall. One of them was the DNS. Yeah. One of them was the like the staging server and one at five, five pizza boxes. That was yeah, great launched. technology. Actually. It was good stuff, yeah. right? Yeah. So whatever happened to all that anyway? Uh, anyway. You know, I worked there for what? five or six years, you know, yeah. started as a field engineer, but then I left, worked to another company and Oracle ended buying Sun. Oh, that's and, right. Yeah. yeah, right. I remember and, that. And yeah. they incorporated all products all into that. the Oracle portfolio. Into the Oracle. Yeah. yeah. So good. All right. So um, that's a little bit of ancient history for <laughs> those. Some, some people are out there going, I have no idea what these guys are talking about. So um, fast forward today, Dell, um, and well, okay. I'm, I was about to ask you what's Dell doing in oil and gas these days, uh, but before we get to that, so what is it you do there, at Dell? What, what yeah, kind so of where, where do you? I know, I know, you've been covering oil and gas for a long time for Dell, right? Exactly. So, yeah. so I'm part of the Global Industries and Alliances organization, uh, and we have an energy practice for the last ten years at least. Our focus today is in oil and gas and electric utilities, and we are a team of uh, subject matter experts on both oil and gas and, and utilities. And we do basically three things. We do uh, sales enablement for the Dell teams, so yeah, for yeah. account executives and sales engineers. We manage an alliance with systems integrators and uh, software vendors and solution providers, and we create solutions. So we basically run certifications, uh, proof of concepts. We create reference architectures and white papers mm. to the industry. So, for example, how to uh, optimize a Dell equipment or Dell infrastructure equipment to run Petrel, for example. So yeah, that's yeah. part of our, our job. Not for the faint of heart, yeah. that one. Yeah, and I am a- tied to the unstructured data solutions division, yep, yep. which basically create this data management framework that is used pretty much basically for all all these uh, solutions that we uh, we provide to the market. Yeah, okay, good. So I want to come back to that because the unstructured data thing, um, I think is, which of course, whenever we talk about unstructured data and oil and gas, the first thing we think of is, is um, you know, seismic data or all of the subsurface, not just seismic, but all the subsurface data that, you know, um, even, um, even well data and reservoir and all that. Um, all of which has been kind of like not really in the limelight the last few years, so we haven't spent too much time talking about it. But um, um, may, maybe, uh, so you, you mentioned a, there's, there's a bunch of different, you know, you're, you're out there and you're, you're working with, so, you, so even though you're a technical guy, you're, you're, you do a lot of work on the, what I call the front end of the business, right? So you're customer facing. Yes, uh, my, my official role is, uh, I'm a business development uh, manager yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. alliance manager. But I, I used to present myself as a consultant, less than a sales guy, you know. Right, it, right. It's, it's better when, you, when you're right, advising Right, that's not people. code for, so I, I, I've actually had that job before. Yeah. And so here's how I see the, the BDM job, right? For those of you who are out there thinking about maybe I want that job, you uh, when when the sales team win, so like when the sales team isn't selling, you get the blame, but when they're winning, <laughs> they get the credit. <laughs> and yeah. So, so, so no, what I try to do is try to 
you know, go after solutions yeah. and certify solutions for them to be able to sell it uh, in, in a short space of time, let's say. Uh, you know, I part of my job today is try to find new ISVs and expand the addressable market, right? So yeah. we, are, we are struggling with uh, production now, but we have a huge... Uh, business in optimization, right? Yeah, yeah, so, sure, you know, sure. go after ISVs that are providing solutions the to the opt, yeah. to the production side and, and, and help them to understand how they can provide them, uh, you know, better ways to do what they do today. Yeah, yeah, good. So, okay, so you're out there, you know, you're working with, uh, with customers, you're doing reference architectures, you are... Um, you, you know, solu you mentioned solutions, white papers, and you're part of the, your real focus is on structured data, right? Yeah, exactly. And that's something that hasn't had as much attention lately uh, in the industry because there's a lot, been a lot more focus on, on you know, uh, IoT and, and, and uh, you know, Optimization. all of that. So, so what's, what, what are the, what's on people's minds now in terms of unstructured data? What are the, what, what's the next set of challenges that they want to conquer when it comes to, to managing uh -huh. un right. unstructured? Yeah, so if you think about upstream and unstructured data, there are many challenges. We have all these different uh, types of data. We have the traditional file data, mm -hmm. which has this hierarchical management with folders and files, the way that you do with your home directory in your laptop, for example. You have this new uh, standard, the object file, is a cloud-native uh, way to store data, and, and the new applications are using Object now. And you also have the streaming data, which is this unbounded data that is coming from, like you said, IoT sensors from everywhere sensors, all the that's time. that's the word that yeah. I couldn't, I was trying to think of the word yeah. sensor before. <laughs> exactly. It wasn't coming out, yes. So, yeah. and, and this data is being generated basically everywhere, right? And if you think about how much of that data is unstructured, 80% of that data is unstructured. Yeah. And according to Gartner, uh, if you look into where this data is being generated, 75 by, by 2025, 75% of all enterprise data will be generated out of the traditional data center or yeah. in a cloud. So it will be generated at, at the edge. And uh, in general... Which is also unstructured. Exactly. In a lot of cases. Yeah. And, and, and let, me, let me just pause on that for a second. So for those, because um, we haven't talked about this too much on the show for a while. So for those of you listening who say, what do they mean by unstructured data? We're just talking about stuff that isn't in, in rows and columns, exactly. right? Like a traditional database structure. Yeah, it would be a log or an entry in a, you know, a, or signal a read data, for a signal for meter, data, like, for example. Right, yeah. Timestamp and a value, something like right, that. Right, yeah. So all and, and Or your files, your PowerPoint, your Excel, whatever. Well, that's the thing. Is So a lot of times when people talk about unstructured data, that's what they, the first thing they think about is, is documents, PowerPoint, right? All of your sort of Microsoft Office stuff. But the oil and gas industry has been producing unstructured, unstructured science and engineering data for a long, long time. Forever, right? yeah. Like, yeah, like, like signal data from seismic, right? Like you mentioned the sensors, mm -hmm. uh, all of that, like serial, like, so all of that's out there and, and it's been um, like wrangled with over the decades, right? And and this is where we come into, you know, we always, anytime we talk about data in oil and gas, we also end up talking about silos, right? And yeah, exactly. This is exactly. where all the silos are created. So so anyway, so that, I, I just wanted to pause on that to give that perspective. So so what's the, so where are you going with that? What's yeah. the, what's the... So, the yeah, you know, this data is being generated everywhere and 
there's this need in terms of challenge to to create this uh, intelligent way to move data around, right? So you need you need that data in the right place at the right time, right? So right. It, otherwise, it won't have any value to you. Uh, and so, and and ultimately, uh, the other the, the the last challenge that I would list here is is that. The workload will define the storage type and uh, the uh, you know the location mm-hmm. of your infrastructure. So there's no one fits it all solution. So none of these cloud providers will provide you a single solution that will solve all your problems. So that is something that has to uh, to do with that too. Yeah, yeah, I got you. So, um, so let's come back to this unstructured data thing because um, because when you said you said Gartner Gartner says it's going to be eighty percent yeah seventy five seventy five percent so again to clarify sometimes if you say that people might think oh so you're saying that seventy five percent of our data is going to be in Office documents no it's not no, that's it's not, not what we're talking about right it's all these other things yeah um, so all right um, so these things have been a challenge. Uh, especially when you cross over, and you mentioned having things in the right place at the right time. And when we, whenever we cross over disciplines, like when we go from when we go from seismic to reservoir, we go from reservoir to exactly. exploration drilling, we go from drilling to complete and completion and production. Like a lot of that data is needed across those disciplines, and that's yeah. where it starts to fall apart. Exactly. Right? So there are much data sitting on tapes for upstream today. Still, yeah, right. still. Yeah. Yeah. So petabytes of data, depending yeah. on the size of the, the company and, and who is the operator, right? Uh, there's much siloed data in the oil and gas industry. If you think about that, the typical approach for oil and gas has been, like, I have a problem, here's your solution. I have another problem, here's your solution. And I have another problem, here's a solution. And they don't necessarily talk to each other or are integrated to each other. Yeah. And when you need to access that data to apply this new analytics uh, capabilities that we have today that are uh, accelerated by new technologies. You really need to extract that data and bring that data online and, and apply these new techniques to extract more insights from that data. Right. right? So that's, that's, right. that's the real challenge. They keep managing data all the time and, and not really extracting insights from the data. So the, the, the big challenge they have today is how do I bring all that data together to apply this, uh, these new techniques versus, you know, my data is here. Let me just go straight to, to use it yeah, and, and collect yeah. business insights from it. Yeah, there, so, and we hear that all the time, right? Like whenever we talk to people, let's say on this show or on the, on the, on the Digital Doers show, we have, we have people who, who will talk about these, you mentioned these new ways that we have of extracting insights from the data. And we don't need to go into all that. There's a whole bunch of them, right? Mm-hmm. People talk about it all the time. All the analytics that we can do and the machine learning and the da da da, all that stuff. Um, but then there's always this caveat that says, well, but of course you need, like you need good data and it needs to be accessible and we need to be able to get to it and, yeah. and all of that. So you're, so you're kind of standing on the opposite side of that going, okay, um, you know, Rather than solving that problem on a on a use case by use case basis, I think what what you're getting at is let's put the right platform in place that exactly. can sort of like be the exactly. whole so, foundation for all of that. Yeah. Is that so that but that also sounds a little bit like like is that is that attainable or is that one of those things that that just that CFOs agree to spend money on that never really happens, right? Is it 
No, it's actually happening. We have uh, we have customers that uh, have implemented that platform, and and that doesn't have to be like in all in once. You can start with a, a piece of that and then grow. Like you don't need to implement the streaming data storage and then the object storage and the file right. storage all at once. You can deploy for all of your locations yeah. for all of your different exactly. right. Everything. So what we want to do is to facilitate this process of migrate this uh, relevant data off tape mm-hmm. and bring that data in a affordable online storage yeah. so they can have instantaneous access to the data when they need it. We want to obviously eliminate the silos providing this scalable platform that can scale to hundreds of petabytes that can integrate solutions like the streaming data, like the object storage and the file storage in a single platform mm-hmm. that can be manageable. We can, uh, we want to enable uh, customers to uh, to be able to create this business-oriented archiving rules. So if a data is available in a storage location where it shouldn't be, for example, uh, you bring data online and you're not really using it. So why am I paying for that data being stored in a, I would say, fast disk technology yeah, if yeah. I can move that to a cheaper layer sure. where they can store more data? So we, we enable them to automate that process. Right. So right. the difference is instead of having manual process copying data from multiple silos to a location running, for example, uh, seismic processing on that data and then moving that manually around, we can help them to automate that and move data across different tiers yeah, sure. uh, in, a, in an automated process. And those are the things, right, that everybody, that, um, that everybody's been kind of tackling the last couple of years, right? All the usual suspects, all the, the, the hyperscalers, and, the, and people are finding out, oh, well, it's, um, it's real cheap to, in some cases, you know, it's real cheap to store the data, but it's not so cheap if I want to use the data, right? Or all, and, and, and a lot of companies are learning how to navigate all of these different things in the architectures. Uh, like I said, uh, ultimately, the, the workload will define where the data will sit, and this industry has a lot of challenges, right? Uh, we are moving towards a cloud computing environment. So sometimes, you know, given the volume of the data, maybe it doesn't make sense to move all that data to a public cloud. For right. Example, right. It or, doesn't mean you can't do cloud computing. Yeah. You just, it's just a question of where. Exactly. This, this comes up all the time, right? Like yeah. the cloud computing isn't necessarily a, a location. A location. Exactly. Right? Yeah. It's, it's more like a financial model for us. You know, sure. we, 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 have a, we have an offer that can extend the, uh, the as a service yeah, sure. model to on-premise locations, for example. Right, and then you, what you're doing is you're using that same hyper-converged software-driven architecture that was so revolutionary about cloud data centers years ago, right? You're just you're bringing that same, yeah, you know, that, basically. That, that's what's really different is how the, yeah. how the technology yeah, is. Yeah, one thing is. that we do that is nice is, you know, the ability to provide this multi-cloud environment. So mm-hmm. if you are in your journey to the cloud, and, and here's the thing, when, you, when you're moving or, or data... Or back to, from the cloud, maybe. <laughs> well, yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> you know, what we want to make sure is that we're not making the same mistakes from the past. We right. are, we're, we're talking about silos, right? Silos... Yeah, because I wanted to get back to the silos. Exactly. Then, because so that's, if, you, yeah. if, you, if you simply move a workload to the cloud, you're basically siloing the data in the cloud. So right. think about this. 
you need a you need a cloud provider and you say okay i'm going to move this to uh to a cloud location mm-hmm. you name it so you move that and then you need uh, let's say that you need a tool that's not available on that or maybe there's another tool in another cloud another mm, public cloud right. and and you wanted to use For particular that. types of insights that you're trying to get so you have data. to duplicate that data right. into a second cloud sure. provider so what we can provide is this dell multi-cloud environment so we are we have the ability to create a single instance of cloud storage mm-hmm. that is accessible through all hyperscales so think about this a single instance of the data being accessible by you know computing f- coming from google coming from amazon coming from azure all accessing the same data so so to your software to your applications to your 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 analytics tools and all that it looks like a single data source exactly it, it looks like it's just in a single place yeah right it's not right and it has the the that same is, infrastructure. That is pretty cool, actually. Yeah, yeah. because that because that's what gives people fits, right? Especially when you talk about in oil and gas, where all of these things that we're describing, most, uh, so an operator of any size or an oil field service company of any size doesn't just do this stuff in one place, right? No, they have to do it uh, no. at different assets, different and locations all over yeah, the world. Yeah, and the same thing happens at the edge. So if you think about the edge, think about a refinery. There's no one single solution from. ABB or Schneider or whatever, you name it. There will be always silos, right? Yeah. They, they provide their solutions and they have their analytics capabilities. So right. think about a company that wants to implement uh, a new analytics tool across all these edge silos. So they have to have a way to aggregate that data into a single platform. And that is the streaming platform. And that streaming, streaming data platform is able to communicate to the multi-cloud yeah. platform send data directly to the multi-cloud so you can leverage that data in your data center right? it can send to the data center too we have a, a multiple ways to move data around in this uh single platform yeah that will facilitate a lot you know uh the the, the way that you access your data and how you extract insights from it that i mean yeah that does uh i can imagine I mean, it sounds almost a little bit too good to be true. When you think about, when you think about, because I know, because I've sort of been out there over the last few years talking with the people who are trying to solve some of these problems, and um, it's it's difficult. Like 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 quite a few people at a number of different companies have like lost a fair amount of sleep over trying to to work these things out and make these decisions. And how how do you guide people to like how do I get from so. Besides just like calling up Daniel and saying, "Can you help me out?" Like, how do you, how do you, how do, how do I get from where I am today, where I go, okay, I really like how that sounds. We would like, we should do that. But right now, I've got like this garage full of stuff. So mm-hmm. how do I get from where I am to, to there? Like, what's yeah. The, so we have a what's uh, that journey, as it were? Yeah. So we we can provide consulting uh, services directly from there or one of one of our uh, partners, partners or right. systems integrators but but what are those so wh- whoever they come from whether it's dell consultants or whatever like what do they do oh right? they will basically run assessments like what happens to yeah. me after that after they I will those they guys. will run some assessments in in your data for example if you're talking about edge they will run assessments at the edge and understand you know what type of internet of things devices that you have there yeah what are you trying to do what applications you're using and and then instead of um, having silos for each one of those, 
you know, what if we provide a single API of access for both write and read data in a yeah. single timeline? So, so all of a sudden, that sounds like time and money. Yeah. Right. It's basically. <laughs> like, 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 but, and, and this comes to the problem, that, the challenge that we have today, right? Of okay, but. We, the, the industry doesn't have the tolerance for like a long projects that I spend a lot of money on now and they pay off later, right? Like everybody wants, wants to see value, time to value in 30 days, 90 days, right? So if I'm in the role of trying to do these things for my company, can, I, can we do it in such a way that I can show my bosses like quick, quick value? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We usually have a, a short a period of time for returns. Yeah. Especially if you're doing a lot of manual stuff. So the first thing about, uh, you know, uh, the whole digital transformation is the modernization of the IT. Yeah. So y you need to modernize. It's funny when people don't always think about that, yeah. right? So yeah. you need to apply techniques like virtualization, like right. scale out, software define, and, and that's what we do. Yeah. Basically. Okay. So anyway, so, so we're, so we, so we're going to do an assessment and we're going to say, Hey, what if we had an API here? Right. Yeah. I, I threw you off track there when I, when I said, exactly. So yeah. Then after that, uh, after define, you know, after understand what, uh, the business rules are, for example, at the edge, uh, we can create this, uh, environment that will collect all this data, provide this data to to the applications that the customer is developing or some other companies are developing. Mm -hmm. Move that data to a data center location for historical analysis, for example. So that not, you know, it's, it's for you to create a model, you need a, not only real data, but also historical data that will improve your model all the time. And we, we can move that data to a data center. We can move that data to a uh, multi-cloud location. And, and then, obviously, if the customer wants to move that to a public cloud, we can do that, too. We, we, we support uh, buckets in the public cloud so we can move data uh, whenever they, whatever they want to, to move data. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so this is, this is all that stuff that, um, so presumably, um, it doesn't matter whether I'm using, whether I've got, I got, and probably I'm using all of the above. I probably got Honeywell stuff out there. I got ABB stuff out there. I got Anderson High, right? On top of that, maybe maybe I'm also experimenting with some of the stuff that the cool kids are doing now, right? Like like these startups that come up, like like my friends over at uh, Embassy of Things or at Protexo, or you know, you got these smaller companies that are coming up with solutions now to 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 improve the ability to get this data and do stuff with it. Mm -hmm. So I've got this hodgepodge out there. Um, but what you're describing is like, like the underlying infrastructure that's going to make all that stuff work better. Is exactly. That, is that yeah. That that's that will accelerate, accelerate time uh, to insights or to the outcomes of whatever you you want to run. If you're running uh, seismic processing, it will uh, accelerate time to results. If you're yeah. running interpretation or reservoir modeling, it will make the data available faster so you can run your workloads in a, in, in a faster yeah, way yeah 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 basically. yeah and i think and we and i meant to get into this a little bit more but um i my my gut says that the seismic and the reservoir well reservoir has 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 been didn't really go anywhere right um but um because it's part of the engineering process but the, uh, my gut says that the seismic 
stuff is maybe going to come back into focus over the next couple of years where people are going to, because, you know, the last couple of years we had people saying, like, I remember, I think it was last year, one of the executives at Shell, I don't remember which one said, said something like, we may have already found all the reserves we're ever going to need, right? Which would imply that they're not going to, no more seismic shoots, no more, right? I mean, I mean, you got the seismic providers like, like CGG and TGS and PGS are all pivoting their business models to try to figure out what they can do for new energy because, you know, seismic's not, but, but I'm wondering like. If you think about geothermal, they, they need seismic. It's the same to, stuff, yeah, right? Yeah. Exactly. So, and, and your comment about the industry likes stability and the prices, um, and and um, maybe that means that some of these projects come. Maybe we go back to those those geoscientists who have like re retired for the third time, <laughs> and we say, "Hey, we need you. We need you again on this stuff." Do you, I mean, I don't know. I'm just speculating here. Yeah, but do you, you see know, that? I think like you know the, the use of these new deep learning techniques, for example. I think everything that is repeatable in this industry, like you can train a model to identify a potential reservoir. Right. If you, if you train a really good model, think about how fast that oh. can be if compared with a, you know, a geoscience sure. just going and analyzing that data. Right, or if, you're, if you want to do like basin scale, yeah. uh, you that, know, uh, scouting and things like that, it's, it's yeah, tremendous. So if you yeah. think about the way that the industry is now, like, you know, I have this, uh, this barrel price around 84 and I'm not really, you know, willing to do any investments in a short term period for new developments. The best way to make money is to explore and extract more from what I have, right? Right. What if I have a, a, a area that, you know, I'm, I'm extracting a certain amount of oil and I can improve that production. Yeah. You know, just, just doing something different, right? right? I need that data and that data is... Usually, if you have a well that was started like 10 years ago, that data is probably sitting on tapes today. Yeah. Right? Yeah, no, for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and there's still a... Who's that guy, the company that's here in Houston that does... They still have all the old tape machines, like all the different models they have. And oh, they you're do. talking about iron mounting. No? Oh, no, that's for the storage. But there's, a, there's yeah. a company here in Houston that does... Actually, like if you've got tape, if you've got data on tape from a... Panasonic X three hundred from nineteen seventy two, like they have that machine, oh, really? and they'll and they can and they can and that and they still do a healthy business, like that business hasn't stopped. So all mm. that stuff is still out there, yeah. I, which reminds me, I wanted to mention, I wanted to talk real quickly about OSDU because you said you guys are involved there, exactly. and I'm always looking for different perspectives on, like, because OSDU has been making a lot of waves. I've had a number of different people talk about OSDU on this show. Um, I've had IBM and Schlumberger and, and everything, but but like, what's the latest? Like, what are, what are, yeah. what's what's happening over there? So, if you think about in terms of collaboration, OSDU is the most promising collaboration for in the industry today, from a data management perspective. And we talked about the data challenges in, uh, you know. But many, many energy markets, they remain regulated, right? They need data residency in country. They have these uh, requirements. Sometimes they, they just can't access the public cloud. And uh, there are four platforms, four companies that are developing platforms for OSDU today. We have uh, Amazon, Microsoft, Google, and IBM developing mm -hmm. platforms. And we at Dell Technologies, we are partnering with IBM to develop this flexible way uh, to allow customers to, to do on-premise deployments uh, with the OSDU platform. Yeah. So think about countries in Latin America or Africa or uh, you know 
ATJ, right, right. for example, and they have these restrictions. And they, but they, they really want the flexibility of the platform. So what we are doing is certifying our equipment with the ODI module from IBM, yep, yep. which is the baseline for the OSD implementation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we can provide them uh, this uh, on-premise technology. Um, yeah, um, that's Carol. That's that's the famous Caroline from uh, <laughs> here at the uh, at the Canon, who uh, has always been here to help us get things going. Um, yeah, and of course IBM is working closely with Schlumberger. I got an episode coming out on that here pretty soon. Um, it, I think the, the, so. There's two really interesting things about OSDU. One is so the first the first thing is when it first started. I remember when it first started. I was working with a team of people that were pretty close to Shell. Because, you know, it started as an internal Shell exactly. project. And then Johan Krebers said, I'm going to take, like, he went around and basically beat on everybody in the industry mm-hmm. until they signed up, right? And then, of course, the vendors started flocking around it. And when all of that was happening, I, I thought, and a lot of other people thought, this is a bunch of noise. This is going to go nowhere. Nobody's ever going to use it. It's just going to be another one of those projects that, you know, is, is but, but it's, it's not turned out that way. Right? No, it's it, really it's actually, very effective. And it got hot when Schlumberger uh, opened the When they Delphi, donated their, yeah, yeah the whole the data Delphi model. Code, yeah. yeah. So today we have about 250 companies in this forum. Dell has, an, has been actively uh, involved with uh, OSDU discussions. Uh, yeah, yeah. Our general manager uh, David Holmes is leading that initiative. I am part of the group too, and uh, yeah, always, yeah. Uh, it's, the other the other notable thing that's ha- about OSDU right now is that um, it's not just for subsurface anymore, right? No, they're doing renewables too. It's uh, there are new right. platforms for windmills, offshore windmills, and things like that. And so a year ago, when I had Johan on this show. Um, I, 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 I challenged him on that. I said, okay, so you're getting, so it's coming, because at that point he was basically saying, look, the data model's there, it's time to start building the ecosystem, right? And they're trying to encourage people to build. And I said, yeah, but, you know, isn't it maybe like, like, does it matter anymore? Like, is always do you, like, like who cares about, I didn't say it quite like this, right? But like, like who cares about subsurface anymore, right? Like, and, but what I actually did say to him was, maybe always do you was, was a good idea at the wrong time. And he said, no, 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 We're, it's gonna become the open energy data universe. And at the time I thought, and I hope Johan's not listening to this, but at the time I thought, ah, that's just what everybody says, right? But that is actually coming true as well, right? Yeah, and like is. you said, they're actually, yeah. it's actually moving in that direction. Mm-hmm. So, very cool. Um, all right, I'm looking at, the, at my, little, uh, my little timer here in the corner of my trusty iPad Pro, and it's saying that we should wrap up. So um, how about uh, if people want to learn, so we covered a lot of ground here, but if people want to learn more about like, what, what Dell's doing, what you guys are doing, or just about this subject in general, uh, where, where do they look? I would point them to delltechnologies.com slash energy and okay. start with there. Uh, and then they can reach out to me. Uh, I'm in LinkedIn. You so are. Yeah. I saw you there. Yeah. Dan- Daniel Estevam Gomez. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dell Technologies. So reach out to so, me. Yeah. Okay. I can, I can help you. We'll, I can help them. We'll put a we'll put a link to all that in the show notes. And um, good. All right. So thank you again for uh, it's thank Friday. It's Friday me. morning. It's it's um, 
we don't do a lot of morning sessions here at the Canon. People tend to be more available in the afternoon. So it's still sort of eerily quiet in here. I guess Friday morning is, it's, we don't have the hustle and bustle in here. Yeah, I love Fridays. So we, yeah, Friday, Friday's good. Friday's good. So anyway, Daniel, thanks again. And uh, maybe, we'll, uh, maybe we'll come back and, and do another episode in a few months to see how things are going with all this stuff. Okay. Thank you very much. Oh, there you go. Daniel Gomez from Dell Technologies with a lot of great insights. Uh, obviously, he's been around the industry for a long time. And uh, also, um, you know, he's a listener of the show, which was, as I had mentioned earlier, was which is fun. So, uh, which, by the way, those of you out there who are listeners, if you got something important or interesting to say about, about technology and oil and gas today, you know, I'm not hard to find. You can get in touch with me uh, through LinkedIn, or you can probably guess at my email address. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, yeah, tell me about it, and maybe we can have you come on the show. That's going to wrap it up for today, folks. Thanks, as always, to my audio fixer guy, Mr. Mac Roman, who handles this particular program and always makes us sound fantastic. And remember... When you hear somebody saying, and I have to say, it surprises me, but you still hear this. You still hear people say, oh, well, oil and gas is very, you know, they're very behind the times and they're slow to adopt new technology. Well, they're just not very innovative. This is where you need to get up in their face. Okay, well, maybe maybe don't be that aggressive, especially these days. You never know how people are going to react. But you need to get a hold of that person and explain to them that we were tech before tech was cool. Check us out next week for another entertaining and yet useful episode of Oil & Gas Tech Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.